And you, you still talking landscape photography. <laughs> You're killing me, Fletcher. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we've got to talking do it this time. Landscape photography with Kristen Fletcher and Cowan. <laughs> It is another exciting episode of uh, Live Minded so far, and we've just we've had the usual technical dramas that we normally experience with Tony Hewitt, but he's not with us today. We're actually joined today by David Evans, who's the curator of the Epson International Pano Awards and co-curator of the International Landscape Photographer of the Year. Dave, welcome to the program. Thanks for putting up with the technical difficulties. <laughs> I can't even talk. G'day, mate. How are you? Good. Thanks very much for having me. Hey, hey Dave. How are you, mate? Good to hear Someone from a fellow a fellow uh, Australian uh, from a state that is clean and sweet, <laughs> and uh, you know we we love yeah. that. You know we we we're just wondering when uh, when we can all uh, exchange our borders together. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. we've got we we've got to get into the bowl again. Yeah, yeah we've got to get through <laughs> we've got to get through South Australia to get to Victoria anyway. So we, <laughs> we may as well just stop at South Australia and just not go any further. Yeah, just come and have a drink. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's my favourite state actually after after WA because you've got some awesome stuff to photograph there, and mm. it's kind of uh, it's kind of left alone a little bit. I think I'm not I'm, I might be wrong in saying this, but um, like people seem to go to have Queensland. They think, oh, let's go to Queensland <clears throat> because there's some great land, you know, there's some great things to photograph there. But but um, South Australia, I think, is probably up there. Mm. But you got that. You have that beautiful um, outback scenery, and then, um, of course, you've got Kangaroo Island, places like that, which are really nice out on the Air Peninsula. It's really stunning. Mm. So, yeah, what about you, mate? What's what's your reason for living in South Australia? Uh, well, uh, yeah, I grew up in Sydney, actually, but oh, uh, I, moved, I moved here nearly twenty years ago. Oh, sorry to hear um, that. And uh, I, I, you know, I met my um, my partner and and wanted to live anywhere but Sydney, really. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And that was that. So, um, but uh, no, Sydney's a great place. But um, I, I just, you know, after growing up there, I just wanted to experience another what? part of Australia. And I could have just done a pin the tail on the donkey anywhere. Where did yeah. you um, Where did you grow up in Sydney, Dave? Uh, sort of all over the North Shore, mm. uh, around Epping, Cheltenham, and um, also Lower North Shore in Narrenburn. Oh, okay. And, and then in Freshwater, and. Um, and Gladesville, so all, all around the north there. Oh, and, um, uh, that's, of, a, that's the Eastway uh, country. Yeah, yeah. it is. Way. It is, yeah. I, I grew up surfing uh, on the northern beaches there. Mm. So yep. I probably knew Peter when he had hair and didn't mm. know it because yeah, I wouldn't recognise yeah. him. Yeah, he would have been he would have been the guy snaking everyone, I reckon. <laughs> oh, I reckon he, he, he would have been dropping in on people and just sure. doing all the rotten things on fire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, if it wasn't me, it would have been him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and so so there's no real reason for <clears throat> for moving to Adelaide other than you just wanted to get out of Sydney. Yeah, I just uh, wanted to experience a different part of Australia in terms of, you know, not just visiting but living. Mm. And um, I'd actually only been to South Australia once prior to moving here. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, and I just I was just so impressed with um, – I had no idea that mm. all these things were here, you know. I mean, we used to just see these tourism campaigns in the movies um, yeah. Yeah. in the 90s and think, you know, it was just Formula One and some mm. churches and a bit of wine. Yep. But um, yeah, when I got here, I, I was pretty blown away by by uh, just the authenticity of of the locations and <clears throat> how you know how very Australian they were. Mm. 
Um, but there's such a sparse population here apart from Adelaide. But I think that's why it's um, a bit off the beaten track. Um, it is. It which is. is. Which is his charm as well. So. Did you um did you move over just after the uh, movie Snowtown was released? Is that when you <laughs> just before? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, you know, beautiful, beautiful Australian movie, of course. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Um, wolf freak, yeah. <laughs> just um, actually, just to qualify that for our US audience, um, Adelaide is a beautiful place, and South Australia is stunning. But it's um, it's known for um, some fairly interesting, uh, shall we say, homicidal acts. Yeah. <laughs> Putting it nicely, bodies <laughs> in a barrel and yeah. that sort of stuff. And but we still I love like you. shooting wheelie bins, but um, yeah. you know, I, I do draw a line uh, at, at, at photographing wheelie bins in Snowtown. But yeah. I did actually, I did actually go to Snowtown. I, <laughs> did you? Yeah, I drove up, but I was quite. I felt quite nervous. I mean, I'm sure it's a fairly normal, safe place, but mm. yeah. felt quite weird driving through Snowtown. Have you been there? Yes, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, several times. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't buy an investment property there, but yeah, it's, um, <laughs> it's uh, oh, you know, it's a nice little mid north town, and um, mm. it's, it's just like all the other towns up there, but um, yeah, it's just a little more famous. Yeah, <laughs> very famous. <laughs> so, mate, you started photography back in the nineties, mm-hmm. uh, back in the good old days of film. Were you uh, were you a fan of fan of film? <clears throat> were you? Or you? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I started. Oh, you know, I remember I remember the shot that got me addicted and it was um I was I was using this little Pentax SLR that, that I think my dad had bought me for my twenty first. because mm. um, I was kinda, you know, a bit interested in photography. I'd grown up doing a lot of outdoors stuff, mm. um scouts and all that sort of thing. Mm. And um mm. and I started to get a bit interested in, in outdoor photography and I put a roll of Velvia in this um in this little Pentax and I was down mm. in Threadbow and um, I'd, I was skiing with some friends and I got a bit sick of skiing. So I went up the Threadbow River and I took a shot with a tripod and, you know, got the whole blurry water thing and just nice. thought I was, I was so good. Um, <laughs> um, but I remember putting that shot on film on, on the light box and, and it just really popping out and, um, yeah. you know, that's what sort of got me hooked on film. So mm. I sort of went from there to, you know, up, up into medium format and um, I just kept getting bigger and bigger because I just really liked the, the – my favourite part of photography, I think, overall still is putting uh, transparency on a light box. Mm. Yeah. So, and I just wanted to get bigger and bigger transparencies. So I sort yeah. of went up to, you know, six by four and a half centimetre, then I went to six by seven and then I went to six by 17 and yeah. – um, mm. And yeah, so I was shooting, you know, the panoramic style shots on on a Fuji, yeah. Fuji six seventeen. Oh, and yeah. um, Dave, can I just ask, where you, you, your photography uh, path seems relatively mm-hmm. normal until you get into the um, six seventeen stuff. What sparked mm. that off? Um, I think I just really liked the perspective, but also like quite a few people in the, in you know back in the nineties, I was pretty impressed walking into Ken Duncan's galleries yeah. in the rocks in Sydney and just seeing those large reproductions mm-hmm. and what could be done when you shoot shoot large to begin with. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I suppose that's that's what sort of got me interested in that format. Mm. Um, and then of course that probably is a good segue into panel awards because that's how it all sort of began. Mm. So. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, mm. I mean, yeah, but I think it's interesting that a lot of us older guys, uh, and I'm not sure how old you are. I don't think you're as old as I am, but, but panoramics were really huge, weren't they, back in the, like you said, the 90s, <coughs> yeah. 2000s. And, and um, you know, I shot with the Fuji GX17 as well, and other guys mm. were shooting. Linhoff, I think Ken Duncan was shooting Linhoff, mm. and and that was that was the sort of the gear you would get if you're a serious landscape guy. But mm. that's that's changed, of course. And you know, yeah, I yeah. think once stitching sort of came in, people were just just using whatever and and uh, stitching the images together. Um, yeah. Would you ever go back to film, mate, or you're pretty happy with digital now? Yeah, yeah. I, I've actually still got a six seventeen. Um, mm. I uh, thanks to Qantas, the lenses are smashed, but um, I'm just getting them fixed. And um, I'd love to, I'd love, I'd love to shoot it again, just mm. as part of, part of the mix. Um, yeah. Although, like the cost of film and processing just started to get to me. I I went one day in a sort of a, a I was having a moment mm. about you know cost issues because mm. I think I just had to update a subscription again or something like that. And I went to the garage and I counted the sheets of transparency that I had developed over the years. Mm, had, yep. And I think I added up about 35 grand's worth of film. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just thought, uh, I think there was one particular trip. I was in the Maldives and I was shooting <clears throat> exclusively on, on film on this mm. panoramic camera. And yeah, the, the film and processing bill was four or five grand. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's when I just decided to call it a day mm. for a while. But um uh, it's still my favourite part of photography, the light box, and mm. so I think that's worth something. So yeah, I think it's that that um, <clears throat> you don't know what you're getting until you get mm. those, those trannies back and mm. you put them on the light box. And there's the I, I know, and I know what you're saying because it, it was exactly the same feeling for me when I would go to the lab, I'd get the films back, and I would just sit in the car and I'd hold them up to the window and just have. Yeah. A, yeah. And it was, it was like, oh my god, oh my god, is there any good? Is there any good? And it's like, oh yeah, that's good, that's good. Oh, terrible. I know, terrible. I know. And yeah, you know, you kind of knew you blew your dough on quite a few of them, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do miss that. And now with digital, you shoot it and you see it straight away, and mm, yeah. it kind of takes all the fun out of it. <clears throat> yeah, well, some of it. I mean, I've got I've got a really low um, attention span in front of the computer, so. Yeah. That's an issue. I might need to see someone about that just to help <laughs> me through the blockage. Um, because obviously, well, now I've just got, you know, thousands of images, digital files just in this archive that mm. I haven't really done anything with as well. So that's yeah. that's a problem. I'm kind of hoping someone will discover them after I die and just sort of <laughs> make me famous posthumously. But, yeah, um, I'll go live in Snowtown, mate. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, David, what's your um? You're shooting on medium format now, uh, the six four five, I think it is. Uh, actually, no. So Phase I, one. I might need to update my website. Um, oh, yeah. No, yeah, I'm I'm just shooting on a, um, a Nikon DA fifty. Oh, okay, cool. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I was shooting with the Pentax six four five, and or the the six four five Z, and that was yeah. a great camera, but was, I just found it really heavy to travel with. Yeah, they're pretty big, um, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, and. I really love the files, but um, mm. you know, traveling overseas, uh, I got stung a few times for excess baggage, and it was just ridiculous. So, um, mm. and yeah, Nikon's been a real great help as well, um, sort of personally, professionally. So, yeah, just cool. been using the, the Nikon digital gear. What's for your a while. What's your workflow now in terms of producing a uh, a pano? You're obviously stitching stuff together, or are you cropping right into the image? 
no, I said the thing is, if I'm producing a pano, I mm. still don't stitch. So, um, oh, very occasionally I will, but I'll still, if I'm trying to create a, a dedicated pano, I'll actually still use the film camera. Mm. Okay. Um, I just really like the single frame, mm. but um, I don't, I don't tend to like. I know it's pretty much a crop mm. in a way because um, you could get an eight by ten sheet, put it in a field camera, and, and mask yeah. it off and get the same result. But yeah. Um, I don't know, there's something about that that I just really like producing with the panoramic camera. Mm. Um, sometimes I'll do a stitch, but um, they're pretty lazy stitches. Like they're, mm-hmm. you know, handheld, pivoting on my big toe sort of thing. <laughs> um, and um, I never really got into the whole, you know, pano tripod head with a nodal point, yeah, all that yeah. sort of type yeah. of pano. Um, although I, I really appreciate when people do that really well, mm. but um, yeah. it does I, make a difference. I mean, I, it does. Yeah, I, I I I was right into that for I, I when I got one of these um, no. three sixty precision heads. Oh um, uh, yeah, yeah. That was specific for the camera and lens sort of thing, and um, mm. I had that was a big heavy thing. But I remember doing a thirty six image stitch of uh, Cathedral Gorge, and um, I could not have done it without that. That mm, head. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it would do, it would not have gone together properly. No. Not with not without a lot of errors, but it was, it was amazing how it came together. But yeah, you know, I know what you're saying. It's it's just another thing to think about, and most mm. cameras are got enough resolution these days to do whatever you want to do anyway. Do you know it was yeah. it was quite funny because I, I messed around with those nodal ninjas as well, and like I, I literally put hundreds of hours into tr- to trying to make them work, and um, you know, getting the balance over the nodal point and all that sort of stuff. And, mm. and actually um, what snapped me out of it was um, I happened to be in a camera shop one day and a gentleman walked in with, uh, he was a, a well-known phase one shooter. Um, you may have heard of him before. It's uh, Christian Fletcher. And, <laughs> um, and I just said, mate, I'm struggling with these panos. You know, I know who you are. What do I do? And Fletch just said, get a phase one. <laughs> <laughs> you actually did say yeah. that. And I was like, yeah, right. So Problem solved. How was that? Yep. <laughs> but I didn't. <laughs> No, <clears throat> no, uh, that's all right. But um, you know, it's camera. So, so Matt, when you're shooting film, you're obviously uh, uh, digitizing it. You've got your own scanner, mm. or you get your scans done at a lab, or yeah, I've got a, a Hasselblad scanner. Yep. Um, you know, the, one of the old um, uh, what do they call it? The Imacon. Oh, the Imacon. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah with, its own, with its own dedicated iMac that's about 15 years old because yeah. it, it won't run on any new operating system. So yeah, right. the, the day that iMac dies is the day the scanner will no longer be useful. But yeah. um, So that's kind of fun too. That's kind of a thrill you know, mm. every time I start it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought that SCSI, the SCSI cable or something. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, SCSI, whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, I remember yeah. that. I had the same. I had the yeah. fixed light, um photo. Yeah, um, and yeah. That yeah, it was great. It was a great scanner, but geez, you know, I'm, mm. you know, uh, dust, you know, on, on your uh, channel. I know, uh, I know, uh, I know. Uh, I, I think there's something wrong with me though, because like I, I might have a short attention span for sitting in front of the computer with layers and Photoshop and stuff, and yet yeah, I'll quite happily sit there for hours spotting dust off a tranny scan. Oh um, really? Yeah, yeah a transparency <laughs> scan. Sorry, that was yeah. politically incorrect. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'll I'll just sit there like meditation. You know, I, I, seriously, I, I need help with that. Yeah. Um, like psychologically, and I need help with all the files on my hard drive that I you know haven't looked at for a long time. Well, 
Yeah, well, look, I, I, I read on your website you've got a condition called synesthesia. Is that how you say it? How well, you... Yeah, synesthesia. Yeah. Synesthesia. Yeah. Um, what is that? What? It, yeah. Uh, it's it's sort of I guess it's best described as an abnormal association um, with senses and color. So mm-hmm. um, I associate a lot of different objects and things and abstract concepts um, as colors. So yeah. there's there's about according to Google there's about eighty different forms of synesthesia. I know I think I've counted about eight of them. Yeah. But um, so for example, if I look at uh, letters, numbers, um, calendars, days of the week, clocks. Um, I, I see colours. I don't see the numbers and letters initially. So, yeah. um, and I think the one that p- most people are fascinated with is, is uh, personality colour synesthesia. So mm. when I meet people or get to know people, I tend to view them as a colour. Oh, really? Um, which means I very often forget people's names, even some of my best friends. But... Um, so, and everyone has a unique colour. Um, so, yeah, have I got a colour, mate? Have you? <laughs> yeah, you've got a colour. Yeah. Uh, would it be green? Green with envy or yellow? <laughs> yellow like Atlas? No, you're you're blue. I'm blue. Yeah, you're blue. Uh, yeah, I'm like blue. That's yeah. right. That's what, yeah. what about me, Dave? What do, what do you reckon about me? I, I'd need to meet you first, Carlin, <laughs> face to face. Do you know it was it was quite funny because uh, Fletch <laughs> shot through a list of um, questions yesterday. He was you know, sort of does a bit of research and said you've got a uh, condition called uh, synesthesia. And uh, so I did some research on that because I'd never heard of it and I've got exactly the same thing. Oh. And I've just, I've never heard of it. I didn't know it was an actual condition and I'm reading yeah. it going, that's exactly what I've got. So well, there you go. Yeah. yeah it's... You've, you've discovered. <laughs> well, what if, you, if you both think I'm blue? <laughs> Actually, that's well, quite that's yeah. quite interesting. I wonder, it's, yeah, because it's I, I, an interesting point. Yeah, we should um, test it's, it out one time. It's all <laughs> it's all very subjective, but I think some of the studies they've done on it show that there are some overlaps. That there's a high probability that certain letters and numbers are certain colours mm. to people with synesthesia. But I think on the whole, it's just an individual perception um, and a bit of a crossed wire somewhere in the brain. Um, yep. But I never knew until like oh, I think it was six or seven years ago, mm. and it, it's it's definitely given me a better in, insight into the, the way I sort of view things. Mm. Um, yeah. And then when I sort of mentioned to my family, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, your grandfather's got that. And you, oh, yeah, oh, my sister okay. said, oh, yeah, 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 I've got that, didn't you yeah. know? It runs in the family. Oh, yeah, so, right, okay. Yeah, so thanks. when you when you look at a colour, do you just see a number instead of a colour? <laughs> 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 oh, that's a very good one. <laughs> um, yeah. But it does affect mood, and it does it affects, um, I guess, what I see in photographs, obviously. Mm. And it also it it means now that moving on to, later in my not later, but you know, I've been a photographer now for twenty plus years, mm. and I, I'm actually now more attracted. I've, I've become, I've, I'm sort of doing two very distinct styles of photography now. I either do the panoramic color landscapes or I'm doing a lot more black and white mm. sort of street street photography, documentary style photography and landscapes too. But And I think the black and white for me is just stripping away the color so that that's less of a distraction. Yeah. Um, and I found it interesting that I was doing that. Um, and a lot of people do that, especially in photography. But, um, you know, my motivations were were my own and it took me a while to figure it out and I'm still figuring figuring things out why people Mm. are certain colors why 
you know, why um, I won't buy buy a house that's a certain number. In yeah, the right. Street because of the colours. Do, do, um, um, do you find that there's a, a certain superstition attached to it as well? Because I, I'm the same. Like there's certain yeah, things and numbers yeah. which I'll just avoid and there's, there's actually, you know, yeah. there's no reason like it's just no and, and I, no. I, I can't explain it to people because i just think you're nuts so that's right it sort of reminds me of feng shui it's sort of a bit it's, it's a bit like that like i can look at certain numbers or combinations of numbers and i just won't i won't go near them or i won't you know don't want to sit in that seat on a plane or mm. you know whatever yeah. but it's less especially with it the, the seats that are like from uh, row six back. <laughs> Sorry, it has to be yeah, row well, one or two. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Only one or two. I'm, I might go. I might go eight if it's a big plane. Yeah. David, yeah. how does this how does this help with your your art? Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I think um, it's just a lateral thinking type thing. I think um, I, I've discovered. I'm in my early forties now, and I think what I, what I feel like the synesthesia is is an expression of my intuition. Mm. That's that's my best explanation of it because especially with people like I'll I'll actually stay away from people who are certain colours just because there's no there's nothing else necessarily to show me that I shouldn't like them. But mm. what's what's happened is over time I've discovered that it's pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> so so if I meet someone and they're brown, I'll, I'll really be wary of them. Um, Actually, because I was, I was thinking that Peter Eastway is probably the same colour, <laughs> same colour as the two emoji, I reckon. <laughs> but um, in terms of art, I think it's probably the same. So I tend to create or be attracted to things that are certain colours or combinations, and that it won't necessarily be related to traditional things like the colour colour wheel or things like that. It'll be just my preference, and that might be quite shit, you know. Like it, <laughs> it, it might be, it might be good, it might be not, but. But I'm I'm starting to listen to it a lot more. What, um, what, yeah. What are some of your design rules? Like, how do you see a pano? How do you compose it? <clears throat> um, well, I mean, I'm going to be really honest. I think pano is pretty easy in terms of composition. Um, I think when you take away the top and the bottom and you compress that perspective, you're really left only left with the left to right. And I think that you can then throw things out of balance and it still works. Um, yep. So I've often seen panoramic landscape photography as kind of, to, to be honest, low-hanging fruit. Um, <laughs> and and I, I, I then move, the more you move towards a square shape for mm. me, t- the more difficult and, and um, the more creative you have to be to really create something that's dynamic. That's mm. just my opinion. But mm. um, I think I almost see shooting... Um, panoramas a little bit like reading a trashy novel mm. versus um, <laughs> and of course a little yeah. shout out to the people well, listening to this <laughs> I mean they look they look great and they really capture people they really draw people into the frame and they, they make you want to be there so they really have they work really well mm. but I think to create they're just not I don't see them as being that difficult but you know the classic rule of thirds. You can put the horizon in the middle on a on a pano, and it still works a lot mm. of the time. Mm. Yeah. Um, tilt a Dutch tilt probably isn't so good, <laughs> but <laughs> um, but you know I, I think that shooting panoramas to me is a little bit about switching off and mm. just experiencing, enjoying the location ah. and experiencing that, and then yeah. creating an image that draws people in mm. in in sort of like a portal, yeah. because it's the way we sort of see is you know 
is that sort of left to right rather than so much up and down. Yeah. But I don't find it as challenging as shooting, um, you know, compressed longer lens stuff or square square format or, um, you know. Um, so that's probably why I'm moving, uh, not moving because I'm still shooting the panos and I'll still mm. always do that. But um, I've got to challenge myself a bit more, I think. Yeah. 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 Hey, look, mate, back in 2015, I believe it was, you won the... Australian, uh, the RPP professional, Australian professional landscape photographer of the year. Mm, wow. did, that, did that open any doors for you, mate? Did you get much of that? Um, yeah, I guess so. Um, I think awards always just seem to be sort of a cumulative thing. They just, you know, in, it's what it's that thing in photography. We don't we don't have that um, whole system and culture of mm. galleries representing you and provenance and all that sort of um, styles, historical styles necessarily. So photography is very much about self-promotion because it has to be. Mm. Um, and so awards are a big part of that. So especially when you're starting out, I think. So I think they just contributed to um, the whole I'm not a hack kind of vibe that you put out there when you do everything you do in your career. Yeah. Um you know, uh, I'm not so concerned, I suppose, with awards now. Mm. Um, you sort of get a body of work and you get you get some awards and you think, okay, well, I'm not totally shit. <laughs> and um, I guess I could be more confident with what I'm doing. And, mm. uh, you know, they're more icing on the cake now. But I can't think of any doors specifically mm. that, that, you know, no one, there wasn't some dude on the phone offering me $10 million to sign with him or anything like that. It was... Um, mm. But there's always things, there's always opportunities that present themselves when you, when you um, actually knock on the door. You know. Do you think people. it's? Um, do you think it's for a young photographer possibly interested in panos? Do you think it's good for their craft to enter competitions? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Obviously, I'd say yeah. I run a competition, but um, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's probably it's probably worth worth telling the story about why I started the panel awards because that's kind of related in a way. Mm. Um, I started them because I wanted to enter my panos into a, a global competition for panoramic photography and there wasn't one. Mm -hmm. So I felt that if I could, they do create a bit of a benchmark and they do, it's like the AIPP awards. It's not necessarily about producing work that you produce all the time mm. for your gallery or for your clients or whatever. It's about trying to think of, some other level you can get to. Mm. And so if you look at a benchmark in any competition, you're not trying to meet the benchmark. You're trying to, you're trying to be the, the trendsetter or, or think of a style or a, a place or whatever that's not been done before. Mm. And so without that sort of external um, bar that's mm. been raised, um, you're just relying on your own motivation and creativity, which is mm. fine. And I think, as you get a bit older and a bit, a bit on in your career, you tend to do more of your self-motivation sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but I think definitely starting out, I think it's worth being in the mix and, um, you know, trying to trying to aim higher than the standard that's been set publicly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely do think it's it's definitely benefited me. I mean, I, I, I still enter awards and, um, and I have done for 20 years. But yeah. um, I guess whether I win or lose is, is less meaningful, but yeah. um, it's the process that you go through in order to enter. Because if, if mm. it wasn't for that, I think I'd probably even be even worse with leaving <laughs> stuff on the hard drive. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. so, so I mean, you've 
the <clears> up, I mean, I've actually ran a photo competition way back when, and, and I, I found it a hell of a lot of work. And mm. <laughs> a lot of people might try it once, but you've done this for how many years now? The international panel was. Uh, this is the eleventh year. 11th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine. And and I'm glad you said that it's a lot of work because, <laughs> uh, you know, the amount of times that people have just got out their calculator and multiplied the number of entries by the entry fee, and you know, yeah, um, said, oh, you're making so much said, money. Said it's, a, said it's a cash cow. It just, you know, um, it's it's been a lot. If I if I knew how much work it would be, um, mm. uh, I mean, now I would say it's been worthwhile. But the first couple of years were really difficult, really difficult because. Um, I thought, oh, you know, being younger and a bit gung-ho, I thought, oh, there's no competition for panoramic photography. I'll just start start one, you know. Yeah. And I think that that naivety was worked for me because I just, you know, pushed on and did it. But I got a lot of flack. There was a lot of people telling me that it wouldn't work, yeah. um, that it was the niche was too small. Um, and then sort of I just thought, well, it's worth a try. And then the panoramic photography community... <clears throat> Um, especially in the US, just got their back up quite a lot because they didn't really, I think in the long run, most of the people I engaged with just in the end thought it was a good idea that they wish they'd thought of, but they they felt as though they had ownership of the genre and mm. they were wondering who the hell I was and what the hell I was doing creating this competition. And I think at the end of the day, I just got more people on board than not. And yeah. once you get that groundswell going, people are less inclined to bag you. But the first two years was pretty hard. Um, and there was, I mean, I'd say probably hundreds of pretty nasty emails and, and yeah. that sort of thing. Seriously? Um, one guy in New York told me that uh, I was running a competition that was the photographic equivalent of a whorehouse. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was my favourite. Oh, um, and, and, and that my mother worked there. Um, and so your, was, your mother worked there. Oh, Jesus. People, people are funny, you know. It taught me a lot of things about... Um, not really developing thick skin, but just um, just ignoring people. Like if you, if you pretend, I like the analogy of you're running a cafe, it's like someone coming in and abusing you because they don't like your menu. Mm, yes. They can just walk down the road to another cafe. So it's more of a reflection of them mm, yeah. than, than you. But I also realised that if people are going to um, have this view of ownership of the genre and they're quite fiercely protective of it, then I do need to make sure I do a good job. So mm. Epson was instrumental to making it all happen and so they've been on board since the start. And, yeah. um, you know, now that I think what I'm most proud of it about uh, with Pano Awards is the publicity we get because it, that's the benefit to sponsors and entrants mm. yeah. um, and the publicity is huge. I mean, I think Epson did their own analysis of, of the publicity and said that it was dollar for dollar was way more than, you know, some of the other things they support yeah. um, mm. in the public arena. So I've been really proud of that and the, and the database that's developed over time. And that's what we're trying to do for the entrants is um, champion their work sort yeah. of more, wide, more widely. So there's mm. more of a benefit than just the prizes and the cash. Yeah. yeah. Um, in fact, I would say the publicity is worth a lot more to people. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it was hard. And, and um, now, of course, I just have learned to delete and block people um, yeah. and um, so you're still I getting, do it ruthlessly. You're still getting hatred. It's like my house. Don't come in and, and you know, put your dirty feet on the couch. I'll, I'll just throw you out. Are you still copying <laughs> hatred so, today, David? No, no. Probably the last, you know, the last five or six years, it, it just sort of 
after the initial um, you know flack, it, it then went to, went to a lot of panoramic panoramic photographers, especially the VR immersive three sixty guys, tend to be mm. really technical. Mm. Um, a lot of them are fifty plus males. Um, you know, probably not too happy with their family life, um, <laughs> and they they tend to get really really um, picky about stuff. So then it became about um, just being really picky about the rules mm. and, and the categories. And so, I, I mean, I would say almost every rule and terms, all of the terms and conditions in the panel awards have been really honed and refined over 11 years so Gosh. that there's a reason for almost every single one of them. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so it became about that. And then that's kind of been locked down for quite a, a, a little while now. So, yeah, the mm. last few years has been, has been nice, yeah. but I, I feel like I deserve it. <laughs> having having more of a smooth sailing. Um, you, know, you provided a, a an awesome uh, competition for people to enter. I mean, why would you be upset about that? You know, you, yeah, exactly. you put your stuff in, you can have a chance of winning a cool prize. Yeah, yeah. heavily if you win, and you know, <clears> yeah, awesome. And 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 equally, you I mean you're the co-curator of the international landscape over the year. That's with Peter Eastman. Mm. Yep. yep. And how long have you been doing that one? Uh, I think this is the seventh year of that one. Oh, so you've been so, co-curator for yeah. seven years. Okay. Yeah. 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 So that's and that's fun as well. It's mm. a different. It's a different sort of vibe that competition, but um, uh, it's it's generated a, a, its own groundswell, which has been really good. Um, mm. And I guess that was born just from a conversation with Peter, and you know the fact that panoramic photography is 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 awesome um mm. but there was a there was scope for uh once again sort of a global just landscape not just panoramic specifically mm. but um there really wasn't that much at the time mm. um yeah. there was the uk landscape photographer of the year um and you know a few other a few other competitions around but um and that's that's really developed its own flavor and style now which we're really proud of as well yeah. But we, we we copped less flack than that. Or if if Peter copped flack, he didn't tell me. But uh, I think he yeah. copped a bit of flack when I won the first. Uh, first year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, from, um, <laughs> I've been banned from entering ever since. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. <gasps> since you're one of the bots, maybe I should say, hey, is am I allowed to enter again? You know, or... you are you are now. You're past your parole. Good. I can't take a good photo. I've got. To, I've got to say, um, like I'm just scratching my head. Like I just can't believe people have got this much hatred towards a, a genre. Uh, it's not. Yeah. Look what I. What I sort of realised. Um, sorry, sorry. I don't mean a hatred a towards of... a genre, but no, hatred no, around yeah. the genre. I, I think it just provided me with a few really, really good lessons. It's taught the panel was running it and and dealing with so many. Entrance, but and they're not they're not always easy. And mm. sponsors, um, you've got to make everyone happy. There's mm. thousands and thousands of admin emails a year for, for yeah. doing all that. Um, you know, countless hours. But it just it, it just made me hone my people skills a lot, and and made me realise that if if you've got a good idea and something that hits on something that's good, mm. you're going to get the bad with the good. You're going to get people who are got their back up. Um, for whatever reason, mm. um, and it's probably looking back. If I was to launch and just got got not really a, that much of a, a response, it probably wouldn't have done as well. Mm-hmm. I think I think um, you know some of the publicity wasn't 
not the publicity, but some of the, you know, the chatter on forums and stuff wasn't good in the beginning, but mm. you got people interested nonetheless. It was mm. like, a, oh, yeah, you know, um, oh, those, those buggers, they're starting competition, how dare they? And then they'd mm. go off and enter, mm. so yeah. um, make up their own mind. Um, but, yeah, it was kind of bizarre. It was kind of weird. Um, yeah. I, I don't want to overstate it. It was just, no, no. Um, it was really the first couple of years. Um, mm. I just found it really bizarre. Mm. Um, yeah. And just dealing with a few people in the industry who felt as though they had a right to be a judge or mm. um, had a right to set the rules. And um, I think it just gave me the, the confidence in the end to say, no, it's my competition, it's my rules. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, I don't have to answer to a committee. Yeah. Um, this is this came out of my head, mm. and um, if you don't want to enter, that's uh, it's fine, you know. Yeah. It's, um, and that's kind of the response I give people now. And when occasionally I get someone saying, "Oh, you know, it's too expensive" or whatever, so that's fine. It's just you know, don't go into a free one. Um, but thanks for your feedback. Yeah, um, so people, people can obviously enter. They get over to the website if they typed in. <laughs> yes, yeah, the, the, the panelawards.com. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess, yeah, the other thing when, when people people don't realise about how much work's involved, they don't realise the cost either. Mm. I mean, you know, it's, it's a huge amount of money that goes... I mean, for example, people don't realise that apart from the prize money, all the judges are paid. So yeah. in Landscape Photography of the Year and Panel Awards, judges are paid. There's the prize money. Mm. There's the IT expenses, which this year with a new entry system hard-coded is i mean i could have bought myself a new prado you know yeah really? um, which is what i wanted to do <laughs> but that's been put on the shelf um mm. so you know but basically the price of a car you know like you can't and the marketing costs to reach to reach the number of people that you need to um to get enough people to make it viable mm. um and you're talking tens of thousands of dollars just on facebook ads you know um, which tends seems to be going up each year. So mm. at the end of the end of the day, it's not um, it's 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 like any business. You can add up the number of coffees that, that your local cafe sells in an hour and think they're you know um, living on the coast, or you can realise that they've got a huge number of expenses behind and, the scenes. And I suppose it, it is. it's I suppose uh, you know you didn't mention the um, the emotional investment as well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, I mean, I, I do it. Yeah, and, and you've got to do it. You've got to be invested in it. And I couldn't, I couldn't do it if I didn't love the genre and I didn't love seeing what people enter and mm. I didn't love doing the publicity part of it, which is my favourite bit. Mm. Um, once once it's been run and we we know who the winners are. Mm. Um, yeah, you, you just couldn't you couldn't do it emotionally if you went if you weren't behind. Um, well, I think if you weren't a photographer yourself, basically. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's been fun. Um, yeah. It's not the only thing I do, so it's it's one of those things that every year I get stuck into, and I try try in vain every year to make it a little easier for next time. What are, um, what, what, is, <laughs> what are some of the rules, Dave? Like, how, how do we win this thing? Um, you basically it, it sort of draws. We had to we had to come up early on with a with a uh, acceptable definition of what panoramic is. Um, probably the thing that a lot of new photographers get get the knickers in a knot about is that it allows images that are cropped, not just stitched. But what they don't realise is that, you know, back in the day, there was no stitching. There was no such thing. Um, you know, panoramic photography has been around a long time. There are still people who shoot on film. Um, and apart from that, we just can't police every single entry um, with the raw files and say, oh, is that stitched? Is that cropped? You know, so we had to just create the definition that encompassed the historical aspects of 
you know, cropping an eight by 10 sheet right mm. through to just cropping a 35 mil file mm. um, and, and everything in between stitching, you know, um, 360s, all sorts of stuff. So we made it more about the traditional definition of panorama, which is the ratio, the aspect ratio, which is a minimum of two to one. Yep. So the long side basically has to be twice as long or more than the short side. And yep. that's, that's our overall definition. That's the definition that we've had for 11 years. Yep. Um, and um, so, yeah, you can create your panorama sort of any way you like as long as it's 100% photographic and it's all your work. And, um, yeah, you can stitch, crop, um, uh, you know, use a dedicated pano camera. Mm. But we do have uh, different sort of sub-prizes that acknowledge, you know, um, film capture, smartphone capture, stitched captures. Mm. Um, mm. So we do, we do try and, uh, you know, reward each of the sub-sort mm. of genres in terms of technique. Mm. Um which is, have all been sort of um, appeared over time as we've run the competition and got feedback. Mm. We love getting feedback, um, really love it, because most people are very respectful and mm. um, it's very helpful to, to hear, you know, the opinions that people have mm. for the most part. But if someone's an asshole about it, I just don't even reply. That's, mm. that's, the, yeah. that's the bottom line. So that's probably, that's probably why most of my uh, emails keep bouncing back when I... <laughs> <laughs> I think I think also people don't realise there's a human at the end of the email, yeah. um, you know, uh, and so when you know um, they do receive a reply and it's considered, I, I keep a spreadsheet every year of the feedback and every year do a review about what can be incorporated into the competition or what is you know utter rubbish, yeah. Um, and um, yeah, so, so but that's the the definition um, that we have is minimum of two to one. So yeah. and yeah, it's just uploading a JPEG file. And it has to be shot at a certain time in a certain time frame. No, no. So it, it doesn't, and um, yeah, it's it, and people. Yeah, it, it, that's been a, a blessing this year because people have, have been stuck inside. So um, no, you can anything you shot, you know, from from the past, you can dig out your old, you know, um, expan panos if you want and scan them. Um, that's good. But we don't put that sort of limit um, because, I mean, I. It's, it's a personal thing, but I just don't see the point. Images mm. that you've created are images that you've created. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I don't think they should be diminished just because they're old. And that's that's yeah. good. That's good because the only shots we're getting at the moment are, are panos of my car keys. Which is pretty, <laughs> pretty unexciting. Uh, just, just on that, mate, um, I'm, I'm a failed pano photographer. Um, as I said, I've you know, tried for hundreds of hours and produced two-thirds of five-eighths of F4. Um, mate, uh, any tip for, tips for shooting a good pano, Dave? Um. Well, I always used to say when I was doing any teaching, because I do, I do sort of tuition as well, but a lot of the problems I see with patterns is that people are just too far away. It's like going to, you know, you go to your auntie's house in another state and they, they say, oh, you're a photographer, and they take you to the local lookout. Mm. And that reminds me of, of a pano, like a badly done pano. If you're going to encompass a huge amount of information in the shop, mm. you want to probably get a bit closer to it in order to create a bit of impact. So mm. my number one rule, if something isn't sort of working or doesn't feel right, is just to step forward mm. um, or to use a longer lens because it's often just about, you know, that old sort of um, advice about what you exclude makes the shot. So um, you just got to be extra careful with panoramas because they tend to be a bit all-encompassing and, um, 
if that works, that's great. But if it, if it's if it's the subjects are getting lost, then yeah, I would say make it tighter. Just come in a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it can add to the drama as well, especially with a a proper panoramic head. Mm-hmm. If you're getting the nodal point right, you can get really close to things, and they they tend to look larger than life. So mm-hmm. that's the sort of work I don't really do, but I really appreciate the people who do it well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so, for sure. yeah. And uh, what are the judges <clears throat> looking for? Um, they, they see a lot of similar things. So they're, they're looking for something that sort of surprises them a bit. Um, they don't want, um, you know, when they, I mean, I remember you judged years ago, didn't you, Christian? Um, I don't I, know if you remember the, the judging system and how many images you kind of had to filter through, but, but at the end of the day, you just want something that stands out and, yeah. um, yeah, you, tend, you, tend to, you do tend to know. I mean, doing this a few times, like you kind of go, okay, there's, you know, I've seen that. Oh, there's PP Island. Okay, yes, mm-hmm. other PP Islands, and then and and you say that they're very samey, and then all of a sudden one comes across. You know, you look at ten, and go bang, no, 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 and then it's like, oh, okay, yeah. here we go. Let's have a look at this one. This looks good. Yeah, yeah, so, exactly. So, can I just ask ask you, blokes, when you're judging something like this, you you are literally just summing it up in a second. Oh, not a second. No, not a second. But but you know there are thousands of images to go through. It mm. takes the, the judges you know several days um, yeah. generally, and then there's mm. a second second pass for finalists where they can rescore. Mm. Um, so so how but, long would you how long would you analyze a shot? Like would you go, you know, what's what's the like? How do you, I mean what goes through the judges' yeah. mind? I think I think you know some of the a lot of the judging I've done at the ARPP. I think your instinctive feeling about a shot is fairly accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, so you should sort of use that as an initial guide and then and then look into a shot if it's if you find it interesting just to make sure it stacks up with what you initially thought. And that can take anywhere from, you know, a few seconds to to a minute, you know. Um, probably if you're taking more than a minute per, per photo, you're just going to be there a very long time, yeah. thousands yeah. of photos. But... Um, the judges range from, you know, the guys who are very experienced and get it done in two days to the guys who take two weeks. Mm. So, well, and girls. Um, but uh, I think it's just an individual thing. Um, a lot of judges have a lot of experience and some are, are relative newbies um, mm. that we sort of train up a little bit and, and you know, yeah. um, give them a go based on their own skills. But, mm. um, yeah, I, I don't think there's a definitive answer to that. Yeah, yeah, and no, I think it. Um, uh, yeah, you you tend to know, and and look, everyone judges the same images, don't they? So each mm. judge, yeah. So so it's good, it's good because you get a, oh, a yeah, good right. cross section, and everyone the ones that are generally the best do end up in the second pass. And, and, and so that's um, yeah, that's what you find. Like the, the judges are, are the other judges are, are picking the same sort of stuff as you. Yeah, well, that's right. It, it's, and it's the ones that are cross, uh, the crossovers, the one that everyone thinks are good that get to the top. So mm-hmm. the, cre- the cream does rise. Um, it's very, it's not very often that there's, I mean, I don't have any say in the judging. I stay completely impartial. Mm-hmm. Um, I just sort of curate the judges and make sure that they're doing the right thing and that there's no outlying scores um, or they need to explain them if there is. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have those balances as well. I'm sort of like the the moderator hmm. but um at the end of the day they all have to agree and, and anonymously you know they're not in the same room talking they're scoring hmm. individually and they don't know who the photographers are and um they need to all have that consensus and it's not very 
uh, common for an image to fall between the cracks because mm. um, it does have that consensus of five judges on the panel. Mm. Yeah, excellent. Hey, so, mate, what's in the pipeline for you? I know you've got uh, we can't do much these days, but uh, what do you got coming up? Uh, yeah, good question. I think running panel awards this time of year is just all about panel awards. Mm. Um, we're just about to launch landscape photography of the year as well, a little bit earlier this year. Yep. Um, so that's taking up all my time at the moment um, because, yeah, it's not really time to do anything else much at the moment. Mm. I'd really love to do something with my that archive that's sitting on my computer of my own work. Um, and, you know, we were talking about that earlier. And I joke about it, but it, it does sort of annoy me that I've let that sort of slip a little bit. Mm. Um, I do also do a bit of commercial and advertising work and, um, you know, obviously that'll come back uh, in coming months and keep me busy. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, I think I'd like to, to, to spend a bit of personal time really um, putting together some of my, you know, portfolios of more sort of travel photography, street photography, black and whites and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, apart from that, I do, I do uh, as a bit of a natural progression from running the panel awards and having such a focus on the publicity I do actually also run a business doing publicity for other photo competitions. Mm, yeah. Um, just using the database I have of, of journalists and and so on. Uh, yeah. So that that keeps that keeps me fairly busy as well. Um, yeah. So well, it's, it's really yeah. cool that um, to hear from you because <clears throat> there's so many different ways to make a living out of mm. photography. I mean, mm. you do it in multiple ways, but yeah, you know the fact that you created this competition from an idea. And uh, and you can make a, a living from from you know mm. uh, allowing other photographers to get noticed and get ahead and mm. to win a prize. It's uh, it's cool. So it's, it's good to see. Oh, thanks. Yeah, like people making money out of photography because it's you know it's a hard game as you know. Yeah, it is. I, th- I think it's just about championing the industry, you know. And I think um, a lot of photographers are pretty bad at marketing. Yeah. And mm. um, if if something, if it, I think that events can have the effect of lifting the whole industry, yeah. um, rather than and the individual photographers who do well, of course. But um, I think that at the end of the day, you know, comp- that's why competitions are quite important because they perform a, a function that um, photographers don't have otherwise or don't have access to. Yeah. So, um, I'm, and to, to that end, I'm quite proud of. Um, as I said, especially the publicity, um, because that's the bit that makes me most excited, and in my opinion, produces the most value yeah. for for entrance. And it's not just the winners too; it's pretty much the top fifty galleries in each category. We've yeah. managed to to do the publicity with panel awards so that journalists actually get a selection from the top two hundred images, the fifty yeah. in each of the four categories, yeah. and mm-hmm. they tend to choose from that whole spectrum. So yeah. um, you can get into the top fifty and still you know, end up on the front page of Huffington Post, which has happened. Yeah. So, yeah, you know. Right. That's great. Um, yeah, look, it is. And and I certainly don't cop any criticism about about that. Um, yeah. When yeah. the time time comes around for the PR to, to, to roll out, everyone's all of a sudden happy. Yeah, so, great. Yeah. Mm. And around how long have people got left to enter? Uh, so the early bird entry period closes uh, on Australian time next Tuesday evening. Um, so that's you get twenty five percent off if you uh, off your entry fee if you enter four or more images. Mm. Yep. Um, we reduced the number from five or more to four or more this year just because of COVID. Um, 
just to help out a bit. Um, and then there's another two weeks after that for late entries well, final entries. And that's just the period of time where we sort of start preparing for judging and, mm. um, and you can't get a discount during that time, but mm. we find that a lot of people are suckers and they, you know, into during that time anyway, mm. Mm. um, especially if they've just got one or two images and they weren't going to get a discount anyway. So, yeah. so I think um, <clears throat> people always leave it to the last minute when they, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. They, and, and after 11 years, it still scares the shit out of me, but, yeah. um, because we, you know, we at this point in time we haven't even come close to breaking even. Yeah. So if you're listening to this, don't scare me. Enter, <laughs> enter now, so that I know that you know. Because um, some years have been. How do they do it? Really, uh, they just go to the panelawards.com and um, click on enter, and mm. you need to create an account. Um, we've got a new entry system this year, so even entrants from previous years. Mm. Um, You'll just need to do a, a lost password mm. um, function thing, just to because um, we don't have your passwords. We're not, you know, they're all hashed. Um, mm. So and just gain access to the entry system, and then you can. It's easy. You can upload the brand new entry system this year. It's been a, a, a really. Um, I thought, geez, what a year to commit to a new entry system. <laughs> such a it's such a huge cost, but um, you know, it needed to be done. Mm. And um, it's actually been working really well, and it's it's a lot easier than the old system. So we've we've been happy with it. But yeah, it's not a great year to be spending money. Lego, if you write, um... everyone's inside now and doing things, <laughs> and and they're concentrating on work and their their yeah. years. And and I reckon you're going to have the bumper year, and I think that mm. people are going to produce some amazing work this year. So it might might be the most competitive year yet. It could be. Like, entries are good. Yeah, entries are definitely definitely going well, but it's very difficult to tell. Some year there's mm. some years there's a big final push, mm. and some some years um, there's uh, it's it's a bit of a fizzer. Um, mm. We've been a bit hamstrung with Facebook this year because um, uh, the Facebook advertising account where all of the posts were running from was banned, <laughs> and you know, they they run those algorithms on it, and that it was something about when I. We, we put a post up about the exhibition in Sydney mm. and the reason it was banned was for promoting a scheme that encourages immigration. <laughs> what? Yeah. So the problem, really? the problem is that the they, they basically ban, they, they disable your account and then you have to appeal. And that's happened before, but yeah. usually the, the appeals take a day or two, but because of COVID, they're taking a few weeks. Oh, so wow. um, oh, we sort of had to scramble and God. set up an alternate Facebook ad account um, Facebook is just oh, it's, it's just it's, we've had to re, we've had a lot of work to do to to, to sort of reach everyone again, and I'm, I'm not sure that it's going to. I think it's probably going to have quite a, an effect, uh, mm. but you know, the, the technical things like that happen every year, and that's the other thing I've learned to deal with is um, that it's it's not that things you don't have a good year when nothing goes wrong. You have a good year when. Like nothing, like you don't get some sort of fatal error where mm. you know you've lost everyone's entries. This yeah. Stuff stuff happens all the time with technology, and you just have to have the contingencies in place to to deal with it. So I'm I'm pretty zen about about that stuff now, but yeah. um, but we could do with it, the extra support, is what I'm saying to all you listeners. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right, uh, don't 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 fluff around. Get your um, awards in shortly, <laughs> David. Look, we we asked some of the um the best photographers in the world this question, um, and we've even mm-hmm. asked. Peter Eastway as well. Um, who is <laughs> who is David Evans? Um, oh, geez. 
<laughs> oh god, I wouldn't mind it. Wouldn't have minded a bit of heads up with that. Um, I I, Doesn't work that way. Yeah, no, thanks. Uh, I, I, I tend to I tend to stay behind the scenes. I'm a, I'm a photographer who mm. I, I although I champion the work of others, um, I tend to be a little bit um, less forward in in putting forward my own work, which is I find really ironic. Um, and, and again, it's one of my blockages that's putting on, I've got to put on a list of things to work through with a shrink. Um, but I guess, and I, I just, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm like the drummer in a band. I'm not the front man. Um, and I'm putting together things like events in the background and doing PR. Mm. Um, and, um, I don't know if this is the sort of answer you wanted, but, um, and I don't know, I guess I'd, I'd like to at some point turn my attention back towards my own work and, um, you know, I'll never be able to enter my own competitions, but, mm. um, you know, um, I wouldn't mind, uh, sort of being a bit more, um, yeah, a bit more, a bit more forward with, with putting my work forward in front of other people. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, I guess, um, I, I'm not very prolific, put it that way. Yeah. My workflow my workflow when I shoot is to come home, download the images, and sit on them literally for twelve months. You seem I, you seem quite understated. Is that how I edit? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, I guess I'm understated. Uh, I mean, well, no. it, it's a scale of um, one to ten, where you're stay at um, one end of the scale and Tom putts at the other. <laughs> how would you compare? <laughs> Uh, Tom, one. Tom's at eleven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I was, uh, I was, you know, vice vice captain of my primary school, not captain. I was vice president of my high school, not 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 president. I'm, I'm always that. Mm. I'm, I'm the one who supports. I, I, if I was, you know, in U.S. politics, I'd be the I'd be the vice president. Mm. I'm, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. The, I'm not the president. I'm not the Tom. I'm not the Tom part. I'm not the, I'm not the Tony Hewitt. I'm not the Tom part. Um, and I, I guess I guess I get more satisfaction. I get a lot of satisfaction from experiences. So I guess to me it's about the process. It's about the process of shooting. Mm. I get a lot of satisfaction from the work I can do for other photographers through the competitions mm. um, and, you know, the work I can do for other companies and competitions through PR. Mm. Um, and I guess that's where my satisfaction lies i get i get a lot of satisfaction from running a successful business mm. um i don't need mm. necessarily other people telling telling me that mm. um i suppose i just um yeah just mm. makes me feel good inside i also tend to do a few quite a few pro bono things for, yeah. for people depending on the cause which mm. i really enjoy mm. um and um yeah i guess I'm a- what I'm thinking is that uh, if you're in Top Gun, you'd be Goose, right? Yeah, except I'd still be alive. <laughs> Dave, have you ever, you know, I think a lot of us have been through this, but have you ever like personally just thought, I'm just over photography? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think we all go through phases of not really picking the camera up for a while. Hmm. Um, but also I just get really um, – I don't understand why people uh, – there's a lot of busybodies in in the in social media mm. in, in that that 
make make issues their their business that shouldn't be. Mm. Uh, I think we all there's enough negativity in the world, and we just all need to lift each other up. Mm. But people don't realise that in the photography community, um, everyone benefits if you lift each other up. It's not that it's not some shit fight with only a few positions at the top. Mm. It's it's you know so just being nice, just be nice to people. You know, mm. if you don't have anything nice to say, just don't say it. If someone needs work on their photography, mm. help them. Don't don't put them down and tell them they shouldn't. They've got no business being, you know, somewhere. Mm. Um, what if that I person's pay, pe- what if that person's I Peter Lick? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one, one, one of my favourite things to do is teach photography. So um, each year I do. I don't do workshops a lot. I just once a year I just take groups of amateur photographers to Lapland in Sweden. Mm. Um, we go to Sweden because it's everyone goes to Norway, and so I'd rather go where other people are not. Um, and I really enjoy that, and it just reminds me of that childlike curiosity that we all had when we started out, mm. and watching watching the look on people's faces when they just take the next leap into something or photograph the Northern Lights for the first time and get a just a cracking shot that mm. they're so proud of. And so I like following through with that attitude throughout everything else I do because um, it's really about encouragement. At the end of the, end of the day, we're all just going to die and we're not going to take our photos with us. Mm. Um, so we might as well just have fun together creating things. Um, also, I guess on that topic, I, 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 I find it quite funny when people apply rules of creativity to photography, like we should be doing this or that or, you know, a panorama has to be stitched or, mm. you know, using Photoshop is not the, not it's not photography you know they act like cameras grew out of the ground like mm. we pick them off trees and we're using yeah. them and it's all so natural but they're complete technological constructs and we should be able to do what the hell we like with them if it's yeah. not if it's not hurting anyone we should be able to take a photo project it onto a tree take a photo of that photoshop it you know and and present it as whatever we want yeah, why so, um, I guess in terms of creativity, I think people put limits on other people more than they you know, realise. And I, mm. I just encourage photographers to be a lot more open-minded um, with, with others. And, um, yeah, that's yeah. – yeah. so I guess who am I? I, I mean, I'm, I've been in photography for, yeah, 20-plus years, but I, I've found – I seem to have – not by choice, but just – by the things that interest me, I seem to have found this this sort of um, area of photography, competitions, publicity, teaching, and some of my own work, and a bit of commercial and advertising work too, which I also enjoy. Mm. Um, and it's just that mix, and it's it just keeps me interested, just, you know, not just doing one thing or one style. Um, and I just like to encourage other photographers and, I guess, just lift them up. Um, mm in the ways that I can. And if, if that way, if I found out I was particularly good at, at PR and marketing for whatever reason. And so if that's the way that I help other people, then that's, that's my special skill. Mm. So that's that, you know. Well, mate, you helped me out today and I'm going to enter the awards, both of them. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to give it a red hot go. So Dave, okay. been awesome talking to you today, mates. Uh, yeah, you too. Thanks for having me on. I hope that uh, everyone that's listening We'll get on and enter the competitions. So both the Epson International Panel Awards and the International Landscape Photographer of the Year, and uh, and it continues to be a success, mate. Thanks for thanks for being with us today. 
Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Dave Evans. Uh, before we go, if you haven't already yet, make sure you check out our website. It's lightminded.com.au. And just for checking it out, we're going to give away a whole bunch of uh, Lightroom presets. There's actually 16 there up for grabs. And... Um, I designed them myself, so they're worth thousands. But uh, no, seriously, there are some good ones there. There's actually a, um, a preset there from Tom Putt called Aerial Awesomeness. So if you head over to lightminded.com.au, scroll down, you'll see uh, free presets. Click the button there, and it's uh, self-explanatory. So grab yourself some free presets. We'll see you next week. Bye.